We're going to continue into the book of Acts here. This is, this is kind of cool. There's a, uh, a funky story that happens in chapter 3, the healing that takes place that kind of starts to rock the world of the early church. Healing at the beautiful gate. This is a really cool story. It, it has to do with that actual location, the beautiful gate. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer time. Daily sacrifices were made in the temple at sunrise and about 3 o'clock every afternoon. This is a ritual they did all the time. I did wonder, do they not work? Like, who has time twice a day? <laughs> I, just, I was just wondering that. Does that make sense? I was thinking that. All right, fine, never mind. But that's, well, maybe their culture is just different how they, how they did things. Because I know in Mexico, when I was down there, they had this afternoon siesta time. And I didn't really know what it meant until I went there in July. Don't go to Mexico in July. Oh, my goodness. I stepped out of the hotel room and instant fog up glasses because it was so humid. This is at 7 a.m. It's like, oh, my goodness. And then by, uh, I think, 2 o'clock, everything was shut down. Nobody moved in the villages. They just kind of, don't move. (laughs) Trying to quick water. It was just really quite amazing. So anyway, who knows? Maybe that's what happened. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, or the gate called Wonderful in Aramaic, it is difficult to ascertain which of the many gates of the temple this might have been. There is a varying speculation with no certain conclusion. However, this beautiful gate points to Jesus, who is the gate or entrance into the sheepfold of God. There's a lot of parallels in the stories of the scriptures, the Old Testament and New of things that point to and represent Jesus, who he is. And the whole temple, the whole setup, the city of Jerusalem. I think one time we talked about the gates when we did a series on Nehemiah and walked through the journey of the gates. That was really cool. Um, We should probably do that one again sometime. That was really neat. Anyway, uh, they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate. They were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. They were captured. There's a clue here. This is, this is gonna, if you're going to learn something really cool today, it's going to be Jesus is the source of all that happens. He's the source of getting your attention, drawing you to something, uh, and then the response from the others. Like this, it's, it is a complete God thing. And so these guys are walking. They were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. Why would they be placed at the entrance to the temple? Anybody have a clue? Get alms. Yeah, and somebody had to bring him there all the time. Like, that's work. That means you have to take them home, too. Like, that, think of that kind of life. Picked up, dropped off, back, and somehow to earn some money, some alms, something, uh, right at the temple. Then they went on. The beautiful gate of Herod's temple in Jerusalem. The location of this gate is uncertain, as we just said before, but it was probably the gate leading from the court of the Gentiles into the women's court called the Corinthian Gate for its Corinthian bronze by the Jewish historian Josephus. Here is a beautiful gate, and here is a man who is marred. You put something marred in front of something beautiful. They contrast. It's a very interesting picture. Mankind can make beautiful things, but man cannot improve himself. That is a big, big lesson to learn. We keep trying to improve ourselves. I know in, <coughs> in my journey of churchianity and, and discovering God, and again, I'm not, I can't mock my history because it's part of who I am. 
That's how I've come to the place of, of my revelation. While I think many things were absolutely incomplete and sometimes outright wrong, it doesn't negate that was my path. And so be careful how you have disdain for those things that you formerly saw and the groups you were formerly connected to. Find love back to that somehow because there are still people stuck in that blindness. And so here we have this uh, idea of improving. And I know the church I grew up in, it was about improving yourself. It was about performance. It was about being a better person. In Sunday school, we grilled the kids to memorize Bible verses. And we had competitions at church all the time. And they had this Sunday school time. By the way, Sunday mornings at the church I grew up in, we had 9 o'clock English service, 10 o'clock Sunday school, and 11 o'clock we had German service. And then you had a small snooze and you had to be back for 7 o'clock at night and never got to finish watching Disney World because... 10-2, we had to leave. It's like, never saw the end of any world of Disney. It's terrible. It was, you know, completely wounded for life. But anyway, once in a while, we didn't wake up my parents. They got to sleep in through it. And we, yes. So, and then midweek was pride. Like, there were so many things we had to go to. Monday night was the girls and boys brigade things, you know, that you went to. Then Wednesday night was, was Bible study night. And, oh, then I had to stay for choir practice because my mom was in the choir practice. So I had to Pull out her homework. It was like church, 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 church. Drove me nuts. I didn't like it very much. And so as soon as I got my chance to get out of there, I did. At uh, age 16, I finally got permission. And I went to the one I wanted to go to, which is, for me, it was a good move. But the point of growing up there was memorize, learn, do diligence. Um, we had contests in Sunday school where if you learned a whole certain passage of time, you get a... Um, one of the, they call it Jesus junk if you ever worked at a Christian bookstore, which I did. <laughs> Jen, you know about it. And all these pencil sharpeners with smile Jesus loves you on or pencils or I got this awesome mailbox because I won one of the contests, you know, where I could put my quarters in and it was something Jesus-y on it, whatever. That was the, that was the extent, to impress. And you know who was memorizing stuff. You, you just knew who the good ones are. Hoity-toity. That's how kind of we, we saw them. And nobody could measure up. And it was a system based on failure. It was going to lead to failure. But it's also the same system the Jews were in. Can you believe that? The Jews were in a system of live up to these rules. 100%. Oh, we can't. I know you can't. That's why they had the once a year get forgiven ritual with the, the two lambs. Uh, one set free into the wilderness. Or the goats, whatever it was. So... This performance thing, being marred, we cannot fix ourselves. But Jesus has fixed us. And when we are blind to the fact that we have been restored, that we have been reconciled, when we awaken to that, then it affects everything we do. The belief is about something that has happened, not in order to get it to happen. It's not conditional salvation. It's not conditional faith. God gives it to you. He opens your eyes and goes, oh, it is true. And you respond. It's very powerful. But so this, this gate of the beautiful gate and having a person marred right there, wishing to be restored. And didn't, he probably gave up hope. There's no way he had, was hoping. He didn't ask for healing. He was wanting money. <clears throat> Verse 2, as they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a crippled man from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. Great way to manipulate, huh? You know, well, you prove you worship God by giving. 
Oh, I think the church has done that too. Yes. You know, laid on thick. You know, giving is supposed to be from the heart, not out of guilt. I think Paul even wrote that. Give with a joyful heart, not out of guilt or being compelled. Give because your heart is saying, yes, this is what my heart leads me to. That's, that is biblical giving. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. So there's two things that happened. Peter and John saw him. They were captured by this man being placed. But then this man was captured by them. Something was going on. God was doing a connection of the two of them one way or another. One was, and then they, they, oh, look at that guy. And then that guy on the ground, look at those guys. Something was happening there that's called spiritual. God does know how to do the connections. You and I, we can't manipulate them. That's why I'm afraid of so many programs in the Christian world because they're set up for follow the steps and this will be the result. But wait a minute. We don't need God then, like at all. You know, we can grow the church without Jesus. Easy to do. You get the numbers in, have the flashy everything and woo and wow them. And, but that's not it. This is about God connecting. And I'm still learning this here. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. If he grows it, he grows it. I told you last week, if he dies, blame him, you know. <laughs> but there has to be this heart of openness, I think, from all of us to say, Father, I'm ready. Do you want to draw me to somebody? There may be somebody here you're drawn to. You make natural connections and friendships. There's some people you can't get drawn to. There's just no natural connection. Don't force it and then get offended that they didn't connect with you. But I want to be their friend. Well, it's not going to happen. Like, do you know what I mean? I know people have had expectations of me, and I really messed up in, in the previous church I was at because I felt I was the one as pastor to be friends with every new person that came in. Well, guess what happens after a while? You cannot maintain that. You cannot find the energy to meet everybody else's expectations, and I pff, stop that. Unfortunately, there are times I feel bad even here. You know, I, I feel guilt, and it's a false guilt. Jesus didn't give me that guilt. You know, I, we each have people we're connected to. If you can only wake up and, and see who God is drawing you towards or who God is placing in your path, and you think, well, that's a coincidence. No, that's a God incidence. It really is. So here they go. They're begging for money, and here's something cool that happens. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. That wasn't a, yo. It wasn't that at all. He said, look at us. He captured the, his attention. There was a direct call to that man. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Peter said, I don't have money, but, uh, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter got his attention. God had started the attention ahead of time. Then Peter responded, acting on what was going on. I believe God's going to get your attention too. God's big enough to get your attention. God's big enough to get your loved one's attention. God's big enough to reach into your loved one's minds who might be stuck in some religious legalism that you cannot convince them otherwise of, Stop trying to. 
Just be normal. Love them. It's not about theological agreement. It's about humanity, the love of Christ in us, in them. Let's stop the fighting. It just divides. Somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong if we do that. Wrong tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life? Pick. Pick one. What will you do then when he gets your attention? Are you ready? Are you ready for a blindside? Are you ready for being knocked off your keister? Whoa, I didn't see that coming. That can't be God. Or could it? Could it be involved in it? Each of you have your own stories. And it's not so cut and dry. Maybe it's time to listen. Learn to listen to what the voice of the Holy Spirit says. If we learn to hear His voice, her voice, whatever you want to call the Holy Spirit, it's more feminine in Scripture than it is masculine. But the voice of the Spirit, when it speaks, are your ears open enough to hear or are you too cluttered with busyness? Peter held out his, his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. So he stood first, Walked around. Yahoo! He's going crazy. I can't believe this. Are you kidding? Wah! If you've been sitting there for that many years all crippled and lame and, and suddenly you're able to bounce like Tigger, seriously, I'd be excited too. Boing, boing, like it's crazy. And this is what happened. And everybody saw it. See the stages? Hand out first. Power, then acting, then standing then walking, then leaping. This happens in our growth in our minds. Somebody reaches out to you or you reach out to somebody else. Then the power of God awakens them to something that's true. They can't figure it out yet. They don't know what's going on, but something's going on inside of them or has gone on, and now they're waking up to whatever the Spirit is doing, and then they start to feel it. I got a feeling in my feet. And then you go, wait a minute, what's this faith? Uh, I want to know more. And you start to walk it out. And suddenly something hits you. And you realize this is actually good news. How could I not see, have seen this before? And you leap with joy. What's your journey? Don't forget your journey. It's so easy to get caught in the routines of daily life, especially with Christmas coming, because now I've got to go through the routines. You've got four Advents, and I've got to come up with something new. You know, that you never heard before. <laughs> like, I'm just going to repeat last year's, okay? You'll never even know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm working on cold, if you can't tell. Uh, but what about your journey? Do you remember what got you excited? What was that thing in you where the spirit... And by the way, being excited does not look like an animation like I sometimes get goofy. Not like that at all. It can be whatever personality you have that inside awe, A-W-E, and wonder. That 
This is what I want you to remember. Go back and find it. And I believe there's more coming. I think we have levels of awe and wonder. I've heard people say that when they first heard about their identity in Christ, it was like being born again again. But then I've heard people who say, well, now I'm seeing the love of God bigger and farther and wider than, ever, than I ever saw. His inclusive love. It's like I'm being born again, 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 again. It's like, what? Well, get ready for the next one. There's more. There's more revelation. None of us have arrived. We're all still growing in grace. And that's humbling. You may see the excitement of something somebody else has. Go talk to them about it. Tell me, what is this joy that you didn't have before, but it's really obvious you have now? You know, it doesn't mean you were a grump before. I'm just saying, I'm seeing, okay, you know, you can take it the wrong way, but don't. It, this is about finding what was that good news. What was that revelation? And if that's what God is leading you towards somebody, God's already prepared them to respond. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So, lots of jumping and shouting, aerobics, blah, blah, blah. When all the people saw him jumping up and down, jumping up and down, jumping up and down, that's a kid's song, anyway. Um, they heard him glorifying God. They realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. They're not used to seeing this kind of stuff in the temple because it's a Jewish temple and that stuff doesn't happen at all. It's like, I'll joke because this is my background. I, could, I, I would say, well, it's like the Baptist church. Nothing ever happens there. Go to the Pentecostal church if you want to see some zing and zang, you know? You know, that's a joke, but that's the idea. They're not used to this. Insert denomination, who cares? But here, people saw. This is not deniable. This was the beginning of what was prophesied, that miracles would happen. It's huge. And he was glorifying God. Realized it was a crippled beggar. They recognized him, which gave credibility to the healing really did happen. How many times do we hear stories, especially with social media, so-and-so got raised from the dead, and so-and-so got healed of this and that, and the very first feeling is skepticism. Prove it. Show the credibility, because there's been too many fake stories out there. That, that's how I am, just so you know. I, I question it. I have to, because there's too many frauds out there. And I'm... Uh, it would take a lot of conversations with people I trust and love and hear their stories. They have seen stuff happen that I, I would love to have seen it, but I know they're not lying. They did see it. And I go back home at night, God, my turn. I want to see that. You know what would be really cool? It would help my faith. <laughs> Anybody else here pray that? <laughs> it's true. Every instructed Israelite going up to the temple that day marveled at this lame man leaping. They were all taught in the ways of the Jewish faith. They understood the scriptures because they're being read every day. They've heard it. Many who were well-trained were already schooled in this and had to memorize stuff. They knew this could, could actually be the beginning of the kingdom. There was an awe and a sense there. Jesus had just been put away, died not too long before that, and then he got resurrected and then up to heaven. So this is after that. This is the big miracle after. It's really cool. 
So what are you anticipating? If they were anticipating the kingdom of God, what are you anticipating? What are you looking for? Are you even looking? Who's going to let it happen, you know? God's going to do what he's going to do. That's really what some people think, you know? But what about your eyes wide open? You will, if you look, you will see. What you look for, you will see. If you buy a new Hyundai Sonata, you will see tons of Hyundai Sonatas everywhere. They're like, wow, look how many people got them. If you buy a Ford Ranger, whoa, look at the Ford Rangers. I've never seen so many. Because that's what you're looking for. That's what you're seeing. You see, on and on. What you look for, you will see. Are you looking for hope and good news? Are you looking for more? Are you anticipating there's more? Because there is. Are you satisfied with your level of understanding and revelation? I believe the Holy Spirit's telling you you're not. Because he's got way too much more to show you. But we're fine. You know, I just have on my merry way. I'm just not anticipating. I'm not looking. Because i got to take care of this stuff. Huh. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going nudge, nudge, tap, tap, tap. Keep your eyes open. i got something coming quick, real soon. Just watch. Tap, tap, tap. That was it. You weren't looking. <sighs> tap, 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 tap. Hey, I got something coming. That's, that's how gracious I believe God is to us. <laughs> Always got something coming. Always a, a voice of encouragement. Something to see. Someone to encourage. Someone to pray for. Always. Tap, tap, tap. What do you hear? Dumbfounded over what they were witnessing, the crowd ran over to Peter and John, who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's Porch. Standing there also was the healed beggar, clinging to Peter and John. Now, I'm trying to imagine what that would look like. <laughs> to the arm, the leg, hugs. He's in the middle between them. What's going on? I don't know. Be, it's just a funny image. Clinging. The scene of Solomon's temple. This is about wisdom. Remember Solomon was the one who was supposed to be the wisest man? Here they are, standing at the place of the greatest wisdom known to humanity at that time. It is here where they begin to speak. Wisdom. Real wisdom. With the crowd surrounding him, Peter said to them all, People of Israel... Not Don Cherry. You people! He didn't do that. <laughs> I knew you'd laugh at that. I just knew it. <laughs> Terrible, I know. Oh, well. People of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Well, I can answer that because we've never seen it. And the last time we saw it was maybe with Jesus. I love this next part. Why do you stare at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk by our own power or authority or the Aramaic says piety, by our humility. Peter does something most religious leaders don't do because they say, no, it was all Jesus, but, you know, give me praise. It was all Jesus, but just give me your offering. It was all Jesus, just give me a good reference. Like, Peter and John here are going, this is by the power of Jesus, not mine. I am not the source. 
I think Peter has witnessed what happens when they think the man is the source, the human. He got crucified. Yeah, he, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's good. Good point. I like that. Motivation, folks. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, man. Kevin, that was good. This is to be the beginning of the kingdom. Great things had happened in Jerusalem during the past few weeks. They had witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, his resurrection, his ascension, and the day of Pentecost. They are amazed what is really taking place. So, the Pente- remember, we started with the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the rushing wind, all that stuff that happened. This is what happened after now. They go into the temple and they heal this man. Jesus heals him through him. I love this next part. John, uh, Acts 3, verse 13. The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has done this. For he has glorified his servant Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face when he decided to release him. And you insisted that he be crucified. You rejected or denied him, just like Peter did, the one who is holy and righteous. Isn't that funny? Isn't that the kettle calling... Yeah, here's Peter who now knows what denial is like. But he also has a brand new revelation now. And don't forget, Peter was restored by love. He felt so much shame when he denied Jesus. He was eaten up by it. And then Jesus came and restored him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? (laughs) That's grace. It's the same grace to you and I, always. But now he's calling them out and saying, hey, you denied. And since he was the great denier, he probably had the greatest authority to be able to say that. So look, I denied. I recognize denial. Takes one to know one. Boom. And he calls them out. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous and instead begged for a murderer to be released. You killed the prince of life or the originator of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we stand here as witnesses to that fact. Faith in Jesus' name has healed this man standing before you. It is the faith that comes through believing in Jesus' name that has made the crippled man walk right in front of your eyes. Who is he giving credit to? God, yes. Well, that got them in trouble. Yes, it did. They got arrested. The teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. By the way, the Sadducees, there was the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and there's, I think, one or two others. Um, but the, the, these guys here, the uh, Sadducees, they were sad, you see? No, kidding. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so, they did not believe in in resurrection life. They did not believe in that a dead person could be raised. They did not believe in miraculous signs. So they were clearly ticked because now they're stuck with an obvious, how do you deny this? And everybody saw it. Look who's got a question in their faith. These boys. Yep. They were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is a resurrection. That's why the Sadducees were mad. There's a resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. They had them arrested. And since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. 
Yet, they didn't even get a phone call. Yet, there were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. What was the last number we saw? 3,000. This is like a week ago or days ago. 5,000 came to believe. That's a lot of people. And not because of some great orator who could speak eloquently and is skilled and none of that. This is the power of Jesus having already prepared the hearts of those who were seeing this and the connections were being made. None of that's a mistake, folks. And none of you are here by accident. Every single one of you is here on purpose. There's something here for you. It could be the person sitting beside you needing encouragement. It could be your very presence adding to the numbers here that encourages someone else who says, you know what, I feel very alone, but wow, there's a lot of people here who really seem to see this and believe this. I need to be part of this. That is how you can be an encouragement already without even knowing it. I've heard that from others. It's really powerful. Uh, Where are we here? 5,000. The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others who were members of the high priest family. They made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things, or in whose name? Because different leaders and rabbis uh, spoke and taught in the name of somebody either their mentor or someone else. So they're saying, who is your authority? Who is your mentor? They're trying to find this out. Peter, and this is again, this is the Jesus thing, boom, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, respected elders and leaders. Ooh. Now, I don't think that would go over too well today unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be kind with your words. Instead of, you jerks, you legalists, you guys see everything wrong. He didn't say that. He didn't even start like that. He says, you respected leaders and elders of the people. Listen, are, you, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This is a resounding theme. Chapter 3 is a boom, constant, remind them, Jesus is the source of power. Jesus was raised from the dead by God. This is a constant testimony, a declaration of good news. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, referring to a prophecy, and now has become the cornerstone. Jesus being the cornerstone. Again, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a spirit guiding him and directing him. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Do you believe inside? Do you believe in this Jesus, the giver of life, the one who came to save you and did? Huh, that's power. That's authority. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially 
when they discovered they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. The pedigrees were nothing. They're fishermen. How can a fisherman tell us anything? Are you kidding? Can you see the condescending attitude? And they're in awe because they, they see that. How can that kind of truth come out of that kind of guy? We've never seen him before. As in, he's never spoken with any authority. Everybody else saw him run <laughs> away, remember? All that, yeah. And now he does the opposite. They, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. That sentence I never saw before. They then began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. I grew up being told I must have my devotions. And I did. Until I realized it was my performance trying to be right with God. To please and to impress him. So that if I do enough good devotions, then I can throw in a really good prayer request. Maybe I'll answer it. Because of my good works, right? Well, then I stopped. When I first came to understand my identity, I stopped doing my devotions. But probably a year later, I wanted to read, learn more, pray. I wasn't doing devotions anymore. I was doing relationship. Very different. And these religious leaders recognize what happens when you spend time with somebody and the influence that happened. Let me encourage you in your own way to find time to meditate with Jesus. A couple minutes in the morning, a little bit at night, four seconds before you eyes shut in your pillow, whatever it takes. Find a way to meditate and say, Father, show me. Jesus, show me. What have you got to say to me? Because this is going to happen to you. The more you hang out and you hang out with people who are also on fire for Jesus. Not religious nutcakes. Authentic fire of Jesus. It's going to rub off. You'll become like those you hang out with I know our parents told us that, but they were crazy. They didn't know what they were talking about. Well, you know what? There's some truth to that. If you hang out with positive energy, positive energy will come back to you. If you hang out with negative energy, you'll be influenced by it. And you'll be sucked of your positive energy. It's just pure science. <laughs> it's much here. Standing there with them was the healed man, and there was nothing further they could say. Ha! That's awesome. Their mouths got shut. Here's what happened next. The leaders met to plan a strategy to silence them. Plan A. This is a really great plan. Let's threaten them. Like, really threaten them. Yep. Severely. And warn them to never speak of this Jesus again. Ha! <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that line. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> they're, they're trying to tell this Peter guy who was so bold and was right in their face to not speak of this Jesus again. What, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, we know. <laughs> I can just, <laughs> Peter Box, do we listen to your God, he says? I can just hear the choir in heaven going, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. You know, I just, I just see that. Anyway, <laughs> it's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we've seen and heard. That's what Peter said. It's impossible. We will not, not a chance. This is good. After being released, they share the story with other believers 
And this is the response of the believers. They pray. That's different. I thought they would party. They didn't. They prayed. They're faced with a huge event, a shift, a seismic shift in the whole religious world. In fact, the entire world was making a shift, and they prayed. What do you do when a big shift hits? Do you run and get busy? Do you find your place of distraction? Do you find your, your vice to not have to feel anymore, or do you pray? Let me encourage you to pray. Sometimes it's not even with words. It's just being silent. Prayer is two ways. It's not a monologue. Oh, Lord, if God, if fathers of heaven and earth, if we beseech of thee, do it. And he doesn't do King James. I like Eldon's prayer. Ah! God! That is an awesome prayer. And we don't know what to pray because the Spirit does the praying. And that praying was launched by not them, but who lived in them, the Spirit. Oh, please, please wake up and see there's something going on inside them and in you. God's constantly trying to get your attention on something. There are more people who need to hear this good news of Jesus, not the pounding of rules but the grace and acceptance that it's already been given, that will be the motivator, not clobbering over the heads. Let's awaken to this good news. Let's pray.